Welcome to the Change Group Podcast, where we strive to have conversations each month that will help you as a leader to move your church forward toward healthy, lasting change. Hey, everybody. I just want to welcome you to the Change Group Podcast, where we strive to have conversations each month that help you as a leader move your church forward toward healthy and lasting change. Um, We're so glad that you're joining us today, and if you are a leader um, listening today, driving change is one of the hardest but most valuable things in your organization, and we're just so glad you joined us. Uh, We're rooting for you. Uh, We know that God will give you wisdom and help to do it. Uh, My name is Pastor Nicole Schreiber, and I'm the lead pastor of Erie First Assembly in Erie, Pennsylvania. We only have about four feet of snow on the ground right now (laughs) in February. Uh, But today I am just privileged to be interviewing a great friend and colleague of mine, uh, Pastor Derek Samford. And we're just so glad you're here, Pastor Derek. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Nicole. This is really great to be here. Appreciate you very much. Um, So you also uh, live and serve in our snowy city here in Erie. So um, why don't you tell those listening a little bit about your journey in ministry and what you're doing now? Yeah, we're and we're right down the road from you, by the way. So we're like literally neighbors almost. And I, I just want to say at the outset, I mean, I'm I'm just such a big fan of you and your church at, at Erie First. You guys are doing such incredible things. And when I think about, you know, somebody who would be hosting a, a podcast about revitalizing the church and stuff, I mean, you've lived this stuff and I've watched it and it's really been a, a blast to see, you know, you the, the impact that you've had at, at Erie First has been really staggering and breathtaking and kingdom expanding. So I'm honored to be here. But yeah, so anyway, I, I grew up around here. Um, I really went went to high school just a couple miles from from where my church currently is, and so I was in the youth group at this church that I'm at right now, and uh, uh, got married along the way to my high school sweetheart, and uh, have three kids. They're all grown up now, uh, and uh, I've been at Grace for you know, gosh, almost thirty years. Um, I think it's 27 years or something like that. This this recently went through a bunch of different roles here. I was the youth pastor for a while. I was the executive pastor for a while. I've been the lead pastor for, well, since 2010. Um, so almost 12 years now been uh, been in this role. And it's been quite a journey to be with one church for that long of a time. And um, we weren't a church plant. We weren't any of those things. We were, we're an, I like to say we're an old church that doesn't act our age. So <laughs> our church started in 1895, you know, as a, as a church plant, the Swedish Baptist church at the corner of 7th and Holland in downtown Erie. But uh, now, you know, we're a multi-state church. We exist in a couple different locations and, uh, uh, you know, just trying to make it all work after after COVID here. <laughs> right. Oh, um, well, that's awesome. Again, thank you so much for being here. And I know recently um, some of all of this kind of wisdom and experience has been uh, kind of funneled into a certain topic that you have studied and executed now for at least, you know, 12 years or more. Um, So you wrote a book. So tell us a little bit about um, what is the book about? What does it mean? You know, the title and that sort of thing. How can it maybe serve, you know, leaders? Yeah. So along the way, you know, I think we realized that, or I realized that we, you know, really our, our greatest resource as a church. And I think this is true of most churches, the greatest resource that we have is our people. And we like to, you know, obviously spend a lot of time thinking about our preaching and thinking about the music and making sure small groups work and kids ministry and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know, just a while back, it hit us that that really our greatest asset is our people, that they they can do things we can't do. They can go places we can't go. They can reach people we can't reach. They have skills we don't have, you know, all that stuff. And so, 
anyway, in uh, it was about 2011, we started uh, inviting unpaid leaders to assume leadership roles uh, in our congregation that basically allowed them to climb as high, you know, high up in the church leadership world as they wanted to climb. And so uh, to, to the point that now about two thirds of our staff and that attend our staff meetings are not non-paid people um, and uh, they're volunteers. And, you know, we've had volunteers who supervise our paid pastors. We've had volunteers who lead, you know, entire multi-sites, um, all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I wrote a book called Untapped Church. Um, and the, the word untapped caught my attention because it means available, but not used. Mm. And uh, I just thought, man, that that just describes, I think, how uh, a lot of churches operate, that there's people out there um, in our congregations who may be available to do big things for God, and, 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 and we, we, we just haven't used them. We haven't tapped into them. And so, um, you know, kind of the, the idea behind the book is that the greatest untapped resource in today's church is high-capacity volunteer leaders who are willing to serve as staff members without pay. And, um, you know, I just, I, I think that's what we've been trying to tap into. And it really changed the whole dynamic, the whole personality of our church when we started to invite those people into leadership roles. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Um, and a very sort of unique idea, maybe even might have felt obvious, but to actually like think of it and execute it, you know, uh, what, what gave you that idea? Where, like, where did it kind of all begin? Was it one particular person or... Yeah, you know, we 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 first started out. I mean, if I go way back, I'm I'm thinking about my dad. You know, when I was growing up and watching my dad interact with the church when he first became a Christian, and so I think he planted seeds certainly of this idea because he was deeply involved. He was a leader in our church and didn't obviously get paid as a staff person. But you know, when I was a youth pastor, we had a number of our of our students who would come, and I think probably most youth pastors kind of resonate with this, you know, kids have a lot of free time, some of them. And so, you know, I, I remember we had a group of, I don't know, six or eight kids that would come over after school, kind of walk over to the church and devote, you know, a couple hours each day, um, just volunteering and setting up for the, you know, the youth event and, and getting stuff ready. And that's, that's really where it started. But, um, but I think a lot of pastors don't necessarily translate that idea to when those kids become adults uh, and, and, yeah. and re recognizing that adults can do that too. And uh, like I said, we had, uh, we had a whiteboard session, one of those strategy sessions that, you know, we'll, we went off to a retreat center with our staff and did the SWOT analysis, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. And, and that was when the aha moment happened that our greatest strength is our people. Mm -hmm. And so how, how do we better leverage our people? How do we better understand who our people are and what they're good at and kind of set them loose to do whatever God it, God called them to do, and one of our first uh, one of our first high capacity volunteer leaders was a guy named Bernie. He uh, he retired early from Lord Corporation, and uh, which is a big a company here in Erie. And he's been on our staff for almost 20 years as our financial accountant, as our manager. I mean, he spent his entire retirement years. You know, Bernie will work 30 to to 40 hours for us every week for 20 years. Um, we've, we've never paid him, but we certainly appreciate him and celebrate him all the time. But, you know, he was kind of the first way back when it started, uh, just an avalanche of people who are, who are willing to do that. Yeah. So really one of the main things you found is almost like a mindset shift, um, yeah. as leaders. I love how, you know, as pastors, we read, we preach the body of Christ. You know, that's a, uh, I just said it this past Sunday about, you know, there's eyes and ears and 
you know, mm-hmm. hands and all these things, but to actually um, create our churches um, to, to live that out, I think is more challenging than maybe, yeah. um, you know, the thinking about it. Yeah. And so when I think about, as you just described, that volunteer is that, um, you know, of course the Lord would want them to give, you know, to, to God and to the church, but we almost need to, as leaders are responsible to create um, frameworks you know, mm-hmm. f- for them to actually be able to do that. Yes. Um, so if, you know, as you're in your research and as you have been brainstorming and thinking, uh, what do you think maybe is one of the biggest obstacles why churches aren't operating like this or even maybe some perceived obstacles, yeah. you know, that, that might feel like, like I think, for example, uh, if someone listening today might be thinking, oh, that's great. I pray God sends me a Bernie. You know, you're like, this would work if God sends me the right people. You know, maybe what are some obstacles that you've seen yeah. maybe pastors need to overcome to operate in this way? Yeah. I mean, I think there's obstacles on the, and you know, you said it was a mindset shift. I, I also think there's a, there's a culture shift like, and that, and that's what, you know, I think we have to speak into both of those things. We have to speak into changing people's mindsets, but we also have to speak into establishing a culture that allows for this. And I think, you know, that's one of the, the struggles of pastors sometimes is that we, you know, and and there's lots of things. I mean, sometimes we, you know, we think we can do it best. Sometimes we hold on to things too tightly. Sometimes we're a little bit um, sketchy about, you know, can can a volunteer do this role or it's always been done this way in my church and I'm not sure you know, I'm not sure anybody would accept a volunteer visiting them in the hospital and that has to be the pastor. And it's like, well, man, you got people that are really, really good at visiting people in the hospital, yeah, yeah. probably way better than you, you know, yeah. and, and, and that, you know, just kind of pressing through that, that stuff. But I, but I think there's barriers with congregations too. And I think part of the thing is in the American church, at least we've lived for too long with, you know, what I call the, the two track system, you know, it's, it's clergy and it's laity and there's been this idea that there's this, this like professional class of, of clergy and the congregation's job is to hire them, bring them in, throw a few bucks in the plate, cheer them when things are going well, send them complaining emails when things aren't going well. <laughs> and, you get those too? Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that, it's, and that's their job, you know? And so, and they think, listen, all the spiritual stuff, like all the studying the Bible, like that's the pastor's job. You study it and tell us what to think about it and visiting exactly. the sick. That's your job and counseling the broken. Yes. That's your job right. and evangelism. Like you go reach the people and we'll throw the bucks in the plate, yeah. uh, but you do your job. And, you know, I think that Jesus with this whole idea of the, the priesthood of all believers and the tearing of the veil in the temple, and there's all these like both symbolic and real things that Jesus did. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, the body of Christ metaphor in the New Testament is the leading metaphor for the church. Yep. Like the, the, the New Testament church never imagines a two-track system. It imagines no, no, no professional clergy, clergy and everybody else. It imagines the church functioning as a body where everybody has their role. It imagines a church that everyone is a priest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we have to teach that into our people and we have to show them by example that this is, and we have to, when we have a Bernie that steps up, we have to tell stories every week about Bernie yeah. so that the whole church begins to kind of catch the culture that, that, that this is, the way that we do the church in the West, the way that we default is not necessarily the biblical way. So good. And I, and I think, you know, even just walking down that path a little bit further, honestly, um, that particular mindset about the two tracks, I like how you describe mm-hmm. that, that the pastor is the employee and the people are paying the employee to do the yeah. work of God, I think has actually caused some very serious um, uh, effects in 
pastors all across the country. I, I know, you know, personally, and also just on a, a level, burnout is such a huge yeah. um, thing uh, amongst pastors. I know there's some statistic that during COVID, you know, a, a whole slew of people left the ministry. Um, but I really think some of it is all based on this sort of false really expectation uh not only that can one person never do all that but they're also not designed to and it's okay that they're not the best at visiting the sick or whatever etc um you know that those those skills are okay and so i think that that's a really interesting i definitely think uh getting back to the biblical model of church helps all of us right (laughs) not just the congregants but also the pastoral uh, totally and it, and it, you know, I, I just, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I just think it's always, it will always end in frustration that model because that's not the way God set it up. Like yeah. I realize we've been doing that in the United States for a while, but that is not the way God set up the church to work. And I, you know, I think all that we're seeing, you know, you talked about just kind of the, you know, us, us average pastors who are dealing with frustration and struggle, but you start looking at this whole like celebrity pastor thing yeah. and the rise and fall of Mars Hill and the, and the Bill Hybels of the world. And the, and it's like, these are some of my heroes, you know, and I believe that this model is, it's all like the anti-celebrity pastor model. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the way to do church because we've, we've believed a lie pastors have that like, I have to be this kind of rock star leader, you know, in order for my church to grow. And, um, you know, I I tell a story in the book about one of my friends from Japan who, you know, they thought they were coming to the States to look at a mega church, a typical mega church. And he says, you know, in in a typical mega church, we, in America, we think of, you know, a very, you know, enthusiastic pastor and a very great teacher and a very great leader. And in your church, we found none of these. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but, but I took it as one of the greatest compliments of my life because it's like, yes, that that it, the celebrity pastor model is not the biblical model. And, if we can raise up tons of our people to be this like powerful force for the kingdom of God and like, let them thrive, man, we've, we're way closer to what Acts describes than, than. I love that. And I think as a pastor, I'm a lot more excited to be part of something like that. Um, you know, than trying to compete with, you know, right. others in your city or in your region or whatever to be, figure out the biggest or the best situation or how yeah. you can. So, so, okay. So it, let's say someone's listening today and they're like, yes, like I very much agree with all these things. I want to start, you know, helping um, people step into their calling and their purpose in my church. Um, what, where's a starting place? You know, is there something you could say? Um, I know it's not, doesn't happen overnight. So where could someone yeah. start? Yeah. And I mean, there are some key starting places. And so this, and not, not to be shameless plugging here, but like the whole second half of my book reads as more of a workshop. It's very, very practical in terms of just some things that that we tried to put in place to change the culture. Um, but I would say for pastors, even before that is, is really um, coming to an understanding that it's possible, like that, that people will say yes when you, when you ask them to step into role. I mean, cause really for the pastor, it comes down to the, the rubber meets the road when you sit across the table from somebody and say, here's a big assignment. Here's a big problem that we need to solve. I think you'd be perfect for the job. I also think it's going to take 20 hours a week. I also don't know that we can't pay you. And so uh, will you do it? You know? And I think some pastors like get stalled out at that place going, I could never ask somebody that. Okay. And I'm just here to tell you, we've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times that people will say yes. 
um, you won't even imagine. So don't say people's no for them uh, is a big one. But I think pastors also, one of, one of the behind the scenes uh, jobs that I think is really important is to, to really determine what I call in the book, your cornerstone calling. So to figure out like, what are you good at? What has God really called you to do in the church? And, and, and spoiler alert, it's not everything. The answer to that question isn't everything. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a few things that you're called to do really well. And I think if a pastor will spend the time going, what has God actually called me to? For me, it's preaching, it's vision casting, and it's developing our key leaders. Those are the three things. Once you determine that cornerstone calling, you can begin to be praying that all the other tasks that, that are on your plate, God would send you a person to help with that. Um, and I use Acts 6 as the model. You know, it's where the apostles realize that there's more work than they had that they could do. The, the, the widows were not being fed. And, you know, the, the people were, they were complaining. And, you know, what, what, what are the apostles going to do about this? And they faced a, a decision similar to the ones we would face today is like, okay, am I just going to add this to my plate? Am I going to, you know, complain at the next conference of what a difficult group of people that <laughs> these Grecian, you know, these Grecian widows are. And instead they determined their cornerstone calling. They said, no, here's what God's called us to do. It's the ministry of the word and prayer. Mm -hmm. And they realized that the thing to do with these additional ministry opportunities is to give them to high capacity leaders. And so they found uh, these, these Greek leaders who would basically lead the food pantry ministry so that they didn't, so that they could stick with their cornerstone calling. So I, I think going through that process of going, what has God really called me to do? Yeah. And then who are my high capacity people that can do some of the other stuff is a, is a good starting place. That's great. And maybe speak to for a minute, like, um, this isn't just for large churches, like this, no. this idea, this, um, concept, this biblical concept, I think sometimes, um, if I'm a small church pastor, you know, or, or have a, a smaller team, or maybe I'm the only one on my team. I know that's not either of our situations, but I know a right. lot of friends and, um, you know, very easily could be. Uh, and so what, uh, you know, just maybe encourage those right now that are leading maybe smaller congregations all across, you know, the, the nation of like, yeah. this actually can happen for you too. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's especially pertinent to smaller church pastors, to be honest with you. Um, because I think that, so one of my, you know, base beliefs is that God is an expert at making churches. So he know, he knows just, he just, he knows just how to make them and he knows just who to bring. And so I'm just convinced that one of the, one of the heartbreaks of my, of my ministry is to watch smaller church pastors banking on eventually bringing enough money in to hire the next youth part-time youth pastor or if I could just get a part-time guitarist or whatever you know then then all my problems would be solved and it's like oh my gosh if if we just wait and wait and wait for the money to come in what it's doing is it's preventing that pastor from actually doing the work that's going to bring the money in eventually and that you know because they're doing everything and it's like no if you could find maybe you don't need the guitarist maybe you need somebody to maybe you have the perfect researcher in your church who could help you to research your sermons and save you 8 hours a week um that you could spend leading the church like maybe that's not the so so i, I don't know i i just think that every church has people um who who could come alongside their pastor in a very specific way um, that would be kind of outside that pastor's cornerstone calling that could allow that pastor then to, to lead in a way that the church would thrive and prosper. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just, I really do think that this is, even if it's just one person, 
you know, that that one person, that investment in that one person could launch that pastor into a whole new chapter of their ministry because of the, uh, you know, the, the, the juice, the momentum that that person yeah. brings to the Well, church. and it doubles your staff. It <laughs> does. That's right. You, you go from one to two. You go exactly. from one to two. Yeah. yeah. So, I think too, um, about how I, I've heard this from like a parenting perspective, but as pastors to our churches, uh, you know, we have in some ways a similar uh, metaphor there, but uh, sometimes um, the goal or the the purpose that God has for our lives is not in what we can accomplish, but in who we can raise and send out. And uh, like I said, I've kind of heard that as a parent, but I am feeling that way more and more as I lead pastor in that um how amazing is it if you if you're part of sending the next generation their pastors and their missionaries and their you know the the calling on their lives are growing uh, because they're you know they're part of it so just another thing to think about is you know it's not all about us or our church um when it comes to the kingdom and so if you're raising up leaders you're helping the kingdom all across such a strong point and i i think the older the older i get the more that reality sets in you know i turned 50 this year and it's like man you know, this, this, it is, it's all about that next, that next group. And here's the cool thing about, especially generationally, that next group as much, as much flack as they get sometimes from older generations, the thing that they hunger for most that I've found is just for an older, an older believer to be pouring into them, a mentor, somebody that's going to unleash their, you know, their capacity. And, and uh, there's no, no greater gift that we could give to them. Yes. So good. Well, um, just as we kind of come to the close of our time here, but before we go, I do want to ask you uh, real quick, let's talk COVID. I know that mm. <laughs> I'm kind of tired of talking COVID. I'm sure you Amen. are too, but yeah. um, as leaders, it has certainly been um, a unique culture point for us, right? A unique culture moment. Yeah. So, um, you know, how maybe just briefly without spo- you know, spoiling alert your book, sure. but are there ways that this particular concept of untapped leaders, untapped volunteers uh, really even connect to this time in history yeah. uh, when it comes to sort of a hopefully post, you know, sort of COVID world? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I feel like I could talk about this one forever because I do think that there is something to be said. I, I really thank God that, that I was able to write the book when I was, because I do think it's particularly pertinent to the church right now. Um, I think on one level, just for the, for the, for the average person, I think most people are reevaluating their lives in some way, you know, so like there's this big exodus from jobs and, you know, I think people are just trying to figure out like, what, what am I doing? Am I truly happy in my job? And so there's this like reorientation of life. To me, it's one of the perfect times for pastors to look people in the eye and go, have you ever considered this? Um, Because you may be able to stay in your job, but do this. And this will give you that purpose that you're looking for, that meaning that you're looking for. So I think just in that, as everybody's kind of rethinking their their life, it's a it's a great time to invite them into kingdom work. Um, and and I think you know I, we've we've just seen the benefit of having this culture over time. Um, having multiple levels of trained people for so as people move on or as people you know step out. We, we just have a deep bench, you know, because this culture has been in our system for a while. And I just see the benefits so much as society becomes a little bit more, you know, turnover 
friendly that that there's that there's trained people ready to step into roles that so I, I don't know I, I could go on forever but we've seen really the benefits of just thinking about and especially financially I mean churches you know it's all over the map some churches I talk to are doing great some churches I talk to are just like ready to close their doors yeah but I but I think financially even thinking about what an answer this is for churches to say listen you don't have to pay your entire workforce like there are people who will step into really meaningful jobs and they will do it as volunteers so good And, and you know I think the main thing I hear from my friends and leaders in ministry is they want to reopen ministries such as yes. kids ministry or you know maybe missions or different things but they're lacking the volunteers now after COVID for all the reasons, you know, there's all kinds of excuses and reasons. And so this is actually this particular content um, that, you know, the Lord has given you to share, I think would, it's a very timely, uh, you know, maybe if you're listening today and you're struggling with that, uh, pick this book up and see, you know, how God can help you through it, through some of these practical applications. Cause I think it could be really, really helpful to kind of get some ministries back on their feet. That's great. You know, post-COVID. Yeah, that's so where do they find uh, the book today, Pastor Derek, if they want to pick it up, how, how can they find it? So the, the thing that I would love for that would help me out the most is if they went to my website, it's DerekSanford.com. So D-E-R-E-K Sanford.com. And uh, there's a bunch of other resources there too, some free resources. So there's a, there's a team guide there. Uh, there's a, uh, actually a tool for volunteers, like a personal, like how to figure out your calling or how God's wired you. Um, there's just some great tools there that people can grab and they can also grab the book through there. Um, they can also get the book anywhere, anywhere they find books and there's, you know, a Kindle version over on Amazon and the audible version over on Amazon, all that stuff. But, um, but through my website is cool because I get to, I get to see and meet who comes there, you know, in a way and, uh, get to get to connect you with further resources. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Um, well, before we uh, close up today, would you just say a quick prayer over those um, that are listening, that are leaders revitalizing churches? Um, just pray for us that, you know, God would give wisdom and strength and volunteers, you know, that can come in yeah, and do things absolutely. that we could never dream. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. God, I just, I thank you for every person who's uh, who's listening to this podcast today. Uh, God, if they're a church leader, a ministry leader of some kind, a person in their church that I, I just believe, God, there are so many heroes uh, that, uh, that are that are out there leading churches, trying to do the best they can for your glory and to be faithful to you. And, and it's been such a hard time. And so God, first and foremost, I just pray that your spirit would, would wrap your arms around uh, church leaders that are listening and just let them know that, that they're critical for the kingdom, that they're important, that they're doing a work that, that needs to be done. Uh, I pray that you'd give them the strength to not give up. And Lord, I do very specifically pray that you would raise up volunteers in our churches, that you would give us the, uh, the mind space and the capacity to see them, to invite them, uh, to step forward, and to unleash them into their full potential uh, in the ministry of the church. So we love you, and I thank you so much for this audience today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. This was great, and um, I'm really excited for uh, just, you know, I've already read it, actually, and it was excellent and helpful for me, so I can give, you know, five stars, thumbs up, Uh, but for those of you that will pick it up, I think it'll be super helpful, so also don't forget, you can always visit our website to get um, all the details and information about coaching or uh, cohorts, if you um, would like some encouragement, that is www.thechangegroup.org. Next month, we'll be back with another valuable conversation, and we really hope that you join us. Have a great day. 
Thanks for joining us for this month's podcast. If you'd like more resources or to learn more about The Change Group, you can visit us at thechangegroup.org. Next month, we'll be back with another valuable conversation, and we hope you can join us.